0: Welcome to Looks Like New on KGNU's It's the Economy. I'm Nathan Schneider, a professor of media studies at CU Boulder. This is a show that asks old questions about new technology. We join you on the fourth Thursday of every month on the old-fashioned radio, or you can listen online as a podcast. Looks Like New is a production of the Media Enterprise Design Lab at CU Boulder. This month, our guest is Emma Marshall, she is happiness manager at system 76, a company that actually builds computers in Denver, Colorado, USA. Better yet its computers ship with a Linux-based free open source operating system called pop OS, an alternative to Mac OS or Windows. Together we're going to be exploring the question of what makes computers happy That is to say, what makes computers whole and, and healthy? Um, and and happiness-inducing machines in our lives. A lot of us spend a lot of time with our computers. I know I do. Um, It was when writing my second book uh, that I really decided I needed a change. The book was about Occupy Wall Street, so I'd been immersed in a world of people who were resisting corporate greed and corporate power, and I got sick of the corporate lock-in of the machine I was living and working in every day. Um, I got sick of, of working according to the terms set far away by a company that I didn't think necessarily had my best interests at heart. So as a procrastination activity, which Anybody who's ever written a book probably understands uh, uh, very well. I decided to put in that process a whole bunch of time into um, changing my system, moving over to an open source Linux-based operating system. This opened up a whole new world for me. Uh, this is something that's now kind of an ongoing part of my craft and process and, and has been really generative for um thinking differently about technology and its role in our lives um, every few months now i still try out a new system and and linux isn't just uh, a single monolithic uh, uh thing it's it's a whole family of of different options and possibilities created by communities free open source software which you know, linux-based operating systems are um, is a kind of software where the code is open and freely available, where people can um, can explore uh, the, the technical insides of the software. Um, I myself am not a, a, a hacker or a developer, so I, I don't have the skills to do that, but I really experience open source as community. I've gotten uh, uh, into relationship with people who do do the development work and and the improvements and and uh, uh, gotten to know people all over the world who are working together uh, to build tools that are freely available for people to use. Some of them are working in companies, some of them are working on their own, there are all kinds of different motivations, but through this software commons, through this uh, uh, shared information resource that that um, we have together and that we can use together. Um, communities form and have produced some of the most powerful uh, uh, technologies on the planet. You know, these this is the the kind of operating system that's running the largest supercomputers and most of the internet servers, um, uh, and, and all of it's free. I even got my mother on it. You know, I, I hate the stereotype of the, um, you know, the mother as the kind of uh, as the technical incompetent, but in in this case the stereotype uh, uh, works out pretty well. My mother is a brilliant person who uh, devotes her her brilliance to, uh, to to subjects other than than learning how to run computers. Uh, but she uh, got frustrated with uh, a computer that she was using. It it was a a ten year old MacBook that just wouldn't uh, take on the new. Uh, uh, the new uh, the new versions and and therefore couldn't run the new uh, web browsers and couldn't run current websites that she needed in her daily life and so uh, we got an equally old used computer um, put a a, a Linux based operating system called Ubuntu on it um, and. All of a sudden, she was able to run the newest uh, uh, websites and the newest versions of the web browser. The planned obsolescence of the Mac ecosystem was no more. Here, uh, through the open source technology, she was able to, uh, uh, to reclaim this, uh, this old technology and, and put it to use uh, relatively easily. Now I've been playing with my phone, this is my latest project, uh, trying to figure out how to detach my phone from, the, uh, from, the, 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 from, from being a kind of surveillance device in my pocket. Figuring out how to uh, replace the operating system with something uh, uh, cleaner and and, and, and more uh, just based on the open source core. Uh, for instance, a version of Android called Lineage OS that strips away a lot of the a lot of the um, Google surveillance products and and just runs the phone uh, uh, and and little else. And and that's. You know, again, been a learning curve. It's been a reminder of how um, the defaults in our society and our technology are so built around these habits of lock-in and surveillance. Um, We have a growing public technology, public anxiety these days about technology companies. Um, But if you look at the survey data, the real trouble is in the feeling of powerlessness. People feel in a in a very widespread way. I mean, huge numbers of people feel frustrated with the kinds of, of agreements they're, they're uh, agreeing to with terms of service uh, uh, and, and the, the kinds of technologies that they uh, feel they have no choice to buy. The, the trouble is they don't have, feel they have another option. They, they don't feel like there's a way out. Um, and, and, and in fact, there are ways out. There are possibilities. The trouble is they're just too hard to access, they require the kind of time and energy and, and, and you know, uh, uh, kind of hobby, uh, hobby type obsession that I hope not everybody has to do. I hope that not everybody has to spend the amount of time I've spent um, trying to liberate the, the machines in my life. I was recently visiting my childhood next door neighbor, who's now an awesome software developer, you know, works for all sorts of big companies and uh, 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 does a lot of brilliant things. And he had a System76 computer on his kitchen table. Now, I'd, I'd come across these sometimes on the Internet, but I'd, I'd never seen one before in person. And and it was really beautiful. And it turns out that that company um, makes a lot of its computers right here in Colorado in a Denver Uh, warehouse and factory. It's kind of amazing. Someone makes computers in the US still and it also turns out that these computers all come uh, uh, shipped with Linux uh, uh, at their core with a Linux based operating system that they develop uh, uh, also here in Colorado. So this is a company that um, uh, in addition to building the machines here in the United States um, is also uh, helping make it easier for people to have a different kind of relationship with their technology. To tell us more, we're joined by Emma Marshall, who is Happiness Manager at System76. Emma, welcome to Looks Like New.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Now, I've never met a Happiness Manager before. Can you tell me a bit about your day-to-day life at System76?
1: Yeah, so um, I, I actually first started in customer service and was like the um, the office admin sitting at the at the front of the office. Um, when there was there were four other people that worked there at the time, and I did sales and marketing and pretty much all of the things that you can do at a company before I landed on being the happiness manager because I realized all of the things that I love doing are keeping customers happy, and I think. You know, in a support and a customer service role and a sales role, it's our job to make sure that these customers are getting the right tools that they need, um, that the tools are working as, as they expect, and that it continues to work as they expect through the lifetime of the product and that they stay happy with it. So um, I think happiness needs a dedicated person in every company to make sure customers are all on the right page. Now what
0: what came first for you was was it Linux uh, operating systems or or system seventy six?
1: It was um, so my first open source experience was working on WordPress. I was um, into blogging and working on the widgets that they had on their site. Um I just love that community collaboration. And when I saw System76 job posting, there was a page on the website that I'll never forget, and it was the community page. And it had a big picture of the Ubuntu community, and everyone was had their arms around each other, and there was 100 people in it. And everyone just looked so happy and friendly. And then the description on the page just, it made me feel welcome, even though I had no idea who these people were. And I just knew at that moment that the community was something that was going to draw me in and keep me there.
0: And, you know, WordPress is another great example. This is a a platform that uh, runs, you know, a huge proportion of the websites on on the web. And it's created like like 76 or System76. It's built out of a private company. Um, But that company has dedicated itself to creating uh, open source software, giving away its code, um, to create an ecosystem that then it can build a business around. Um, for people who, who can't wrap their heads around why a company would give away their code, can you, can you explain that a little bit? What, how does that make sense from the perspective of where you're sitting?
1: Sharing your project can only make it better. When you're hiding your code, you're holding back innovation. Um, the more people, the more eyes you have on your code, the less mistakes um, the more ideas can come to it, the more people will use it. Um, it's, it's just all around better for creators and makers to be able to have no limits. And keeping the code open allows that.
0: And, and as a as a user, um, you know, you, I imagine you're using uh, open source operating systems now, right?
1: Yes, I use Pop OS, which is the one that we developed, which is it was based on Ubuntu.
0: How does but the... I, yeah, go I, ahead.
1: I started on Ubuntu, though, so I'm very familiar, and that was that was my first Linux OS, and I loved it, and, and I still love it.
0: I mean, you're pointing here to a kind of family tree for, for people who haven't experienced these differences, right? So Linux is what's called the kernel, which is the kind of core of the operating system, but then there are all these different kinds of branches that form, and they can be based on each other, they can build on, you know, uh, uh, they can go off in a totally different direction. So there's a kind of family tree of, of, of uh, these operating systems or distributions. Um, mm. So Pop! OS is the one that you all make, right? Yes. And then Ubuntu is, is another one made by a company called Canonical, and and there are a whole range of others. How, how does that, ex- how, as a user, um, did something change as you started um, uh you know, eating your own dog food, as as uh, as as they say, and using the system that your your company is creating.
1: Um, no, because Pop OS is based on GNOME. Um, Ubuntu, Ubuntu switched over to the GNOME desktop interv- interface a while ago, so the the look and feel is is pretty similar. So it wasn't like a culture shock to switch to it. Um, I do I do notice a lot of performance enhancements. Um, the boot time is quicker. It does have a different um, setup. It has a different installer, a different application store. So there are a few things to get used to, but um, it's definitely not a culture shock to jump from Ubuntu to Pop! OS. It's very polished and refined and even good for new users.
0: How about people who are coming from Windows or Mac OS? If they were... Uh, to f- suddenly find themselves in Ubuntu or Pop OS, one of these Linux-based systems. Um, what would they have to learn? Uh, what 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 kinds of in in, in your uh, uh, you know in your support role? What kinds of questions do you find yourself asking as people make the switch?
1: Um. Well, it's it's very intuitive. So you you basically have you have a, a key called a super key. Um, we have a pop key. Uh, we call it the pop key, but this menu key will open up a dashboard for you to search for anything on the computer. So basically, if if you can search on, a, on Google, you can search your computer for what you need. Um, you need an audio recording app. You can search audio, and it will show you a list of applications that you can either install or that you have installed that you can use. Um, uh, some of the common questions we get are... Um, how to get three displays working on a single laptop. Um, Those are pretty quick phone calls. But as far as um, just getting to the normal user everyday activities, we don't get many calls on that. so, so three displays
0: is a lot of displays. I don't think I've ever tried that before. Um, <laughs> it, does, does that suggest that your user base is kind of a power user community? Tell us a bit about the kinds of people you're interacting with, the kind of people who are, who are interested in, in your tools.
1: So with a, with a three display person, I would think that that is someone who's definitely using an NVIDIA dedicated graphics card. Um, they could be a heavy gamer. They could be a content creator. Um, they could be a, a 3D printer. Um, they could be designing, you know, houses that, to 3D print. Uh, we have scientists that are working on cancer research and people building robots. Um, there's so many different types of customers, but it really, it really falls into the creator-maker space. And then the new users um, are either, I would say, students or the people who... Who are already customers who believe that their loved ones should switch and have convinced them to. So I think a, a lot of that a, a lot of the new user questions too would come from w- would go to the people that got them switched. Um, but it is it is something that we do take calls on that we could take calls on if we had more of them.
0: And, and where do you turn to for customers? I mean is there are there particular channels where you advertise or where you where you seek people out?
1: We're really heavy into the community. Um, that's where most of our outreach is. We do a lot of social marketing. Um, when we do big marketing campaigns, it is, um, if, if you've seen any, um, uh, any of them, they're just about as nerdy as, as you can get. Um, so, I mean, if they were on TV, people might not understand um, the, the storyline to them. But anyone that is a fan or a creator or a maker can really appreciate our type of advertising. But it is a very unique type of advertising that we do.
0: Why is it that that, that crew, that group of people is attracted to this kind of approach, uh, these makers? I mean, is there something that they're able to do um, with these machines that they couldn't do with others?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of the, the proprietary companies, they hold their hardware back. For one, they, they solder things to the actual hardware where you can't upgrade your RAM or you can't upgrade your hard drive. So if you're working on a big uh, machine learning project and you need more storage, oh no, your Mac's out of storage or your, your Windows PC is out of storage. But sorry, you can't open it up and add more, but you can get a dongle and plug in some external hard drives. Or you could give us a call and open up your System76 computer and we can tell you exactly how to install it and you can feel like super empowered that you just... Help build your own computer. Um, but as far as, as software, um, you know, it's just easier to develop in Linux. And I think that's the the majority of software developers will agree with that.
0: Well, that, that you're pointing to something really interesting there that that ability to feel that sense of empowerment that you actually invite that, um, you know, there's this this right to repair movement, right? Which, wants to ensure that people have the right to even open up their, their um, computers without voiding the warranty immediately. Um, Right. And, and yeah. And, and, you know, when something breaks on on a Mac, you know, usually the idea is you take it to the Mac store. They don't really fix it. They just replace it. Um, They, it it seems like you can't even do that if you wanted to.
1: Yeah, we, I mean, we would definitely replace the computer if we had to, but our, our customers actually prefer this. I like the way you worded it, the, the re- right to repair movement. Our customers like it. Um, and it's something that we're, we're going to continue as long as we can.
0: You're listening to Looks Like New on KGNU Radio. We've been speaking with Emma Marshall, Happiness Manager at System76, a company that builds computers here in Colorado. We'll be right back. Jonathan Bolin was a star high school quarterback. The first play they hiked the ball to John, he went straight down the middle and scored a touchdown. <laughs> then came the concussions and the consequences the slowiness, the fog, you know, the stomach ache. You usually throw up after a concussion. The blind side of school concussion rules on the next reveal. Tuesday afternoon at 4 o'clock on KGNU. Welcome back to Looks Like New on KGNU Radio, a show that asks old questions about new tech. This month, we're speaking with Emma Marshall, who's Happiness Manager at System76, a company that builds computers in uh, Denver, Colorado, and, and its computers ship with Linux, a, a free open source operating system. Emma, can you tell us about the story of this company? Where did it come from, and, and how did it start making computers in Denver?
1: Well, um, Carl Rochelle is our owner and founder, and he started this um, company in his garage. Um, so very, very typical, like tech tech type startup. But um, his story is he didn't have uh, investors, so he has, you know, he has built this company off of his dream and his profit. And it all started when he he discovered um, open source software and landed on the Ubuntu distribution, which seemed seemed like the best distro at the time to help spread open-source software to the world. So the original dream was to spread open-source software to the world. And I think we, we really felt like we had a good grasp and good momentum with that. And when Ubuntu decided to switch over to the GNOME desktop interface it was a great opportunity for us to decide hey we're going to go ahead and and build our own our own operating system we've had enough experience with it we've got the right team we have a great community that provides feedback and support so it it was the right time and the first version came out you know elegant it was a great a great operating system so we we really pushed and focused on that for about a year and a half, and um, for three years, they had been working on prototypes for open hardware, um, and I'm I'm not sure, I'm not sure where the idea came from. A lot of things just are like, let's do this, and then you know next day the project begins. Um, so I w- I would love to know the backstory of the conversation that that Carl had with um, with Kate on that, but. Not 100% sure. Um, so anyway, the, the open source philosophy didn't have to stop at software. You know, the, the hardware is also something that we found that our users can't stand to be limited on. Um, so we like to offer machines that have the, the best configurations, um, the most hard drives, the most storage, the fastest CPU, um, as much power and performance that a customer could have to be able to be free to create. And also uh, we want the design of the hardware to be something that they can create. We know our customers love to 3D print and they love lasers and you know the the design of this computer is open so you can you can download the code, you can print the design, you can change it. We've actually had people provide suggestions on making it better, and that helps companies grow. So I don't. I think open sourcing can only help the company, um, especially with the hardware. We are continuing to make it better, um, and also with with us being able to change the code so often to be able to change the design, that enables us to have a quality product constantly instead of having to wait a hundred. You know, we have a hundred pieces of this one version of something, and oh my gosh, it didn't work out. We're not going to use those hundred pieces. We're going to modify it after that first or second customer told us that something went wrong, and then we're going to recycle those other pieces and start over. Um, so I think I think the open hardware is is something that it empowers us as a company, and it empowers our users, and it empowers creators and makers.
0: I mean, it, it's a it's a powerful thing you just said there. Um, uh, at the beginning, which is that you decided you were going to make an operating system and then before long, you had one. Um, you know, that's that's kind of a shocking thing because for uh, the model of the, you know, the major operating system creators, it's like the biggest undertaking imaginable. You're starting from um, something close to scratch. You're building this whole th- proprietary thing that's in your company. Um, but because of this open source Model, you're able to draw on uh, existing projects, and you're able to tweak and adjust and deploy your own operating system relatively quickly, right?
1: Right, and then we're able to um, we we're able to build a team around the type of operating system we wanted to build. Um, this operating system that was designed specifically for. Developers, creators, um, users who want their computer, you know, their software to stay out of the way while they're busy creating um, was something that we think the world needed.
0: And this is something that you don't have to have a System76 computer for. Uh, you can just download it on, on any computer. Is that, is that right as well?
1: Right. You can download it from System76.com slash POP. And you can also view the code, um, submit bug reports, and there's a chat, that chat.pop-os.org, where you can um, speak directly with the engineers that are actually working on the operating system every single day.
0: Now, does this create tension? Like, um, you know, we've talked, we've talked a lot about Ubuntu. That's another private company that is uh, putting a lot of investment and developer hours into building their operating system. Um, do they ever complain why are you building this this uh, competitor off of our code?
1: See, that's the, the beauty of open source is the, the complaints, it, it really doesn't matter if they are, they aren't. We have a very great relationship with um, Canonical and Ubuntu, um, but the spirit of open source is to encourage and empower and collaborate. It isn't to bash other people's projects or... Um, get upset that someone's doing better than the others. it's a uh, good for them look what they're doing you know they're you know canonical is focused more on business enterprise server market so it it isn't like we're completely um, uh, performing against each other right now. We're not competing against each other I don't feel like um, mm-hmm. as far as uh, from a financial standpoint
0: have you have you been in the opposite situation where some you've built something and put a lot of energy into it, and and somebody picks it up and builds something else with it, or builds a competitor with it.
1: Not that I have seen, actually. Um, we've had more collaborators than um, than villains, I guess. What
0: about the 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 production of the hardware? I mean, this is something that um, you know, I someone interested in in the tech world, like is almost kind of foreign and it's literally foreign because by the time I, I got interested in, in computers and technology, we were already producing most of the, of the hardware offshore and, uh, you know, outsourcing that to uh, very far away places. Can you, can you tell us a bit about why uh, System76 decided to start building in the United States and in Colorado?
1: Well, it, I mean, we all live here. It is it is nicer to have more um, quality control um, and support our U.S. economy. Um, trade tariffs are unusually high, and it's not, it's not helpful for advancing creators like us. Um, sourcing it locally also helps the U.S. economy. Um, and being able, the pride to be able to say that it's manufactured in the city that I live is something that, it you can't put a price on that and that's something that i walk out of the building every day and i am i am more proud to work there mostly because of that reason because i know that we're doing something bigger than just than just open source and spreading software and getting quality computers into people's homes we are helping the economy
0: and is is it not um, kind of infeasible? Do you have to charge higher prices because you're you're building here in the U.S.? I mean, that's always the fear, right?
1: Well, I think our prices, if you compare them to other computers, our computer prices are lower than others. And we even provide better support packages. So I think I don't think pricing is, is as much affected as we thought it was going to be. It is expensive to manufacture. But we're trying to keep the pricing as close to what we've always had it as possible.
0: Does, does not having the, all the proprietary software help in that pricing? Or, or is it, you know, I, I, I mean, I sometimes wonder whether it's really costing that much because there's so much bloatware on a lot of these commercial computers that companies are seem to be paying to get their software uh, pre-installed. So I, I don't know how much of a cost it is. But do you find that that um, running all Uh, shipping with all open-source software um, uh, helps lower that cost?
1: I think so. I've seen some some packages for other computer manufacturers. Support packages alone um, cost thousands of dollars a year. Um, If we were to ship that software, we would be responsible for paying those support packages um, as a business, and that definitely helps us save money. Staying up to date on other people's security updates as well, um, that would require probably a, a whole nother employee to watch constantly.
0: Tell us a bit about the um, the customer expo- support experience that you offer. I mean, how does it how does it differ from what people might be used to in uh, in the world of uh, uh, calling somebody for help about their about their technology? Does that open source culture affect how you do
1: support? Oh, it definitely does. If you if. You were to call our support line, you get a human on the phone. Um, You get a human that answers your ticket, and you get uh, (laughs) not not immediately. We're we're getting there. We're hoping to. (laughs) We try to have the quickest response time as possible. Um, But the the approach that we take um, is called the happy approach to tech support. So um, the first the first reaction that you're gonna get is. Um, you're gonna get one from a human. It's gonna be a nerd that is part of the community that you may have chatted with or run across on Twitter, or Reddit, or um, any IRC channel. Um, they're gonna be someone who likes to tinker with things, just like that. Uh, just like the uh, the user calling, and they're gonna be. Uh, they're gonna have a good attitude, which is what the A in happy stands for. They're gonna be patient which is what the p the first p stands for. They'll be persistent, keeping your case open until it is completely resolved. And they're going to be themselves. They'll be you, unique. So, that's that's the type of support that we're providing. And you know, there's a lot of empathy. We're we're putting customer's happiness in front of the warranty and in front of the proprietary software in front of all the other daily things that they have to worry about, we're just going to focus on the human and what they need to get solved.
0: Now, for, for a lot of uh, open source companies, they're actually using um, support as the, main, as the main revenue source, right? If they're giving away software, um, maybe support and, and customization is, is what they build their business around. You, you're a little different because you're also selling hardware are are you doing that kind of intensive support and customization work as well or are you really focusing the you know your business model around around selling the hardware and and just supporting what you sell
1: Well financially we are focusing on selling the hardware um our support packages if you look at them none of them are above $300 for desktops and laptops so for up to 3 years for less than $300 I I challenge anyone to find a better costing support package, especially when you can have a team of humans that are ready to help you with simple or complex
0: issues. And there's something about I I mean are those those support humans are are they all in the same building as the people who are writing the code?
1: Uh yes, we're actually my team is in the factory part so. We, we can run over to the lab. We can run over to the build bench when a customer is like, hey, what's, what's the status of my computer? They can be like, well, it's got the RAM, it's got the hard drive, but we still need to turn it on and make sure it works. <laughs> um, and then the engineers that are writing the code are just across from us. So um, they, we can just yell over to them if we need to. Um, we use Slack as a main form of communication. So the, the communication with the engineers, um, the people that write the code, it's is very open across the company with everybody. Uh
0: huh. And I, I mean, that's a striking thing. Like One, one thing that, that um, really changed for me in getting involved in, in open source software was, was suddenly not just doing support with people who are solely doing support and are often a different country than the people who are building the thing. But actually, uh, uh, in many of these cases, support is talking to the people who built the thing. And so there's kind of a curiosity about the questions and experiences that people are having. How much does, does your work on the support side feed into uh, the development side? How much does it inform what the, the engineers are building?
1: Um, it is direct feedback to, you know, it goes directly to the engineers, it goes directly to the product designers. Um, we have a bug tracking system. And we have a a specific spreadsheet that tracks only issues related to Thaleo. So um, anything that comes up is tracked very carefully, and changes are made fairly quickly based on that feedback. So all user-based feedback and feedback from the teams that talk with customers directly.
0: Great. Now tell me a bit about where the, the company is going. Um, what is the vision? What is the the the, the scope for it? Where are you hoping to be in however many years you're looking toward, or are you just very focused on the on the present?
1: Well, we are looking forward to the future. Um, right now, we really want to perfect the Thaleo line. Um, there are about some, that
0: line. What what is it? What are what is that?
1: Thaleo is the U.S. desktop line um, that we manufacture here in Denver. It is designed with a couple little um, nerdy aspects in mind to cater towards our audience. Um, It has a unique wood panel finish, um, and it it offers an AMD or an Intel um, base, so you can choose if you'd rather have an Intel CPU or AMD. Um, We have a a server size, a mid-grade size, and just a everyday user type of Thaleo. Um, so basically the graphics cards and CPU power will define which class of Thaleo you want to be in. And, you know, there's a couple nerdy quirks on the design, like the, the air outtake is... Uh, it's the date, it's the time of the Unix Epoch. It's the solar system um, at that time, so... If you if you look at the back of it, it's very specific and unique, and that that code is open source. If you wanted to laser that onto something else, um, also the founding time of System Seventy Six, that solar system is on the bottom of the machine for the fan outtake.
0: So you're basically uh, so. putting the, the star date on your computers here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> And there's some Morse code on the side. It, it looks like design lines, but it's actually Morse code for CIS 76 And there's some mountain edges that are laser etched on there too to give a little nod to our, our Colorado mountains.
0: How many people actually pick up on that?
1: Um, the Morse code, I, I think maybe I've had three people out of like 500 that I've looked at it in person with. So, I usually point it out, and you should see their eyes light up. It's adorable.
0: <laughs> okay, so back to where you're going. You know, um, so,
1: next? so right now, um, it, is, it is perfecting the Thaleo line, and then uh, we are working on open firmware. Our lead engineer, Jeremy, is working on open firmware for laptops. Uh, he was working on it for Thaleo, um, so when we get the open firmware on laptops, that takes us one step closer to being able to start designing our own and manufacturing our own. So once desktops are done, um, perfected, we'll be moving on to laptops, but we will continue to improve our desktop line, not forget about it once we do the laptops. Everything will have equal priority. Um, So the future is looking very good for us.
0: And so right now, is it just that Thaleo line that you're building in in Colorado?
1: Yes. Laptops are built in um, California right now, but the firmware work is happening at our factory.
0: You're listening to Looks Like New. We've been speaking with Emma Marshall, who is Happiness Manager at System76, a company that builds computers in Denver, Colorado, with the Linux uh, free open source operating system. We'll be right back.
1: This program is brought to you by the KGNU Listener members and by Quish Sustainable Wealth.
0: To Looks Like New on KGNU Radio, a show that asks old questions about new tech. This month we're speaking with Emma Marshall, who's happiness manager at System76, a company that builds computers here in Colorado. Emma, you, you recently published a blog post called I'm a Woman in Tech. Please hit on me, said no woman ever. Can you oh tell us God. a little bit about <laughs> can you tell us what inspired that?
1: Um, so although I'm a manager, I still like to do tech support tickets, um, every day to stay in touch with my customers. Um, and I thought since I was doing a reduced amount that I wouldn't come across anything like that anymore. Um, cause over the years it's just been annoying and I haven't said anything. Um, but so for this specific one, it was, I think it was someone, someone called me the, they said, oh, that's how you guys operate. You like to have the office hottie break the news to you about a bad about a bad situation or about a product delay. And I was just that wasn't that wasn't directly hitting on me, but that has happened a lot of times. And I think it's it's inappropriate in, in our field of work. Um, one because I'm not expecting it. Two, I'm I'm not in a line of work where where any woman should expect that. Um, and I just don't think it's a relevant conversation topic in a tech conversation. Um, so those types of situations, they make me uncomfortable, annoyed, mad. And I think I, I was venting that day, but it was after a series, I think it was like three or four times in a week that I had experienced something. And then that last one where he called me the office hottie kind of set me off.
0: I, I can see why. um, And, and, you know, this, but it does, it points to a larger phenomenon, which is, you know, in this world of open source, uh, of uh, apparently free and participatory um, communities, um, the, the, I think the last GitHub open source survey, the respondents were something like 95% male. Um, Do you have any, uh, uh, any tips, especially for women who, might want to get involved in the in the open source world. Any survival strategies? Any thriving strategies that have enabled you to to be part of this? Because sometimes you know the kinds of things you're describing are are not uncommon, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I mean, I see. I follow a lot of women developers on Twitter and hear their stories are way worse than mine, and it is it's sad. But the fact is, the five percent thing is real. And that is holding back innovation in the software world. Can you imagine if 50% women were developing code, what kind of applications we would have that would help our families and our lives? There's just ideas that women have and emotions that we have that we could bring to software that, is, that we're missing out on. So my advice would be, be strong. You know, it, it is hard it was it was really tough for me to work in an office full of men i was i was delighted to have the first um, girl join our team um she was it was kate the designer when when i had another woman it was just an instant weight off my shoulders for some reason just knowing that there was another female presence but i think being being strong you know hiding not hiding your emotions but trying to be able to have a lot of control with them because I think men see emotions as um, weakness or make them uncomfortable which I think that I've been so comfortable at System76 I've been able to share my emotions more than any other woman I think at other companies could. So find a company that you can be comfortable with in sharing your emotions if you're not able to control them as well. Um, also Try to get as much experience as possible and know that the men that are being mean to you or not supporting you are just afraid of what you can do and not to let it let you stop what you're doing.
0: Yeah, that, that um, you know, I, I always remember this, this sign that was in the, uh, a feminist hackerspace called Double Union in, in San Francisco that I visited once. It said, meritocracy is a lie. Right. And it's, it's a kind of funny statement because in a way it, it, it's not really what they're saying. I think in a certain respect, but they're, they're resisting this idea that that, um, you know, this kind of implicit claim in, in tech culture that because this is a very male dominated space, um, that's because these are the people who should be here. These are the people who deserve to be here. Um, and, and this was a statement saying, no. There are, there are reasons why this, these inequalities exist. And actually, the, the technology would be better if it were different. Um, it's, a, you know, it, it, it's in a way a very radical claim, um, something that says um, our systems that we're using to determine what's valuable and, and who should be at the table are broken. Uh, and mm-hmm. and you know, we need to figure out how to change them
1: yeah and I think uh, a lot of women just we need to be strong, we need to speak up, we need to um, just put our faces out there more. I think women need to see other women participating, and we can all group together and help each other through all the hard times that we go through that men don't have to go through. Mm-hmm. so
0: well, certainly that spaces like that 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 uh hacker space were an attempt to do that to create solidarity,
1: yeah. And working for a company like System76, we, you know, as a culture, they have not separated men and women in any regard. You know, we have women managers. Our Our production manager is a woman. Um, the girls that, that do the actual building of the panels, you know, there's two girls that do that. It is, you know, we have a pretty equal designation of women and men. In authoritative positions, so I I really love that our company doesn't doesn't separate sex for um, performance and qualifications. Now,
0: what do you think is needed to make this kind of approach to technology more widespread? You know what what um, both along in communities where it's less common. I mean, for instance, among women um, uh, uh, outside the kind of Developer bubble, um, uh, and 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 beyond that. What what do you think? You know, what signs of success have you seen um, with people adopting uh, this approach to technology, uh, who might otherwise not?
1: Well, I mean, we are we're going for the manufacturing in the U.S., and I think that that is a very bold movement for a company, even developing our own operating system. I think these bold decisions have had have had input from everyone in the company. And it doesn't matter if you're male or female, but including all the voices is something that will help all the companies grow.
0: Now, if somebody is listening to this and is kind of curious, they're thinking about getting a new computer and you know they're, they're interested in, in trying something new, um, how would you recommend they proceed? They, you, you don't have a System 76 store next to the Apple store, right? How can people uh, uh, try this out and see if it's for them?
1: Well, so if you're local, we would invite you to come and visit us. Um, Send me an email at emma at system76.com. I can take you on a tour and show you every computer we have and show you how Thelio is built. And um, you can just give us a call and we can talk about what your needs are. But if you want to try out one of our computers and you aren't local, we do have a thirty-day satisfaction guarantee policy on on all of our machines.
0: Great. So people can order from from the website. Is that generally how it happens?
1: Yes, all all sales are done through the website, um, and then all support is um, you can do support through the website or the phone.
0: And are there things that people might encounter? Some surprises that people might encounter. Things that might be a little harder or different when they're uh, uh, when they're first starting on. On a, on a machine like yours, things that people should be looking out for, just setting up basic stuff?
1: Um, so so the one thing that I think we could do as a company that other companies don't is putting documentation in the box, but we try to cut down paper usage as much as possible. Um, so we, we have a lot of documentation on our website. So our, our quick start guides, our support articles... Um, everything like that is on the website not in the box so we do send a message right after we ship a computer that that's where the the information is located but I think it does throw some people off that that you just have this computer and this little welcome note in the box um, without instructions but most of a lot of our customers don't need the instructions Um, but it does also invite a nice phone call from someone that we can walk through setting it up if they need to. So yeah, I mean, maybe
0: it, it's surprising how few machines now come with any kind of print, printed instructions. Uh, yeah, today. it's uh, uh, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, but I mean, we have the documentation available. It's just it's on the website.
0: It, it just to, and could you tell us about you know a favorite interaction or? Uh, 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 the the kind of thing that makes you really appreciate the the role that you're in recently, you know. Tell us, walk us through a, a you know an interaction with somebody um, uh, in 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 a support role or or in or in any role that that kind of re- reveals something about what you do and and you know why this company is different.
1: So we we do have a warranty, right? Every company has a warranty. Some situations and um, some customer attitudes and, situ- and feelings, you know, don't fall in line with the warranty with a happy result. So sometimes we have to overlook the warranty. But before that happens, we, we have to have a very long discussion as a team. So the happiness team, we have our own um, channel in Slack where we'll post the ticket. We'll all review the ticket. Um, the person working on the ticket will post their proposed solution and then we'll draft a message that we all agree on. And it's, it's a group effort to make sure this customer is happy. And we talk about our feelings, which I don't know what other tech companies would do that. But we say, if I was in this position, I would, feel, I would feel let down by this company. I would never buy again. And I would probably tell all my friends what you did, um, regardless of what the warranty says. You know, when people are upset no one else is going to go read the warranty. They're going to listen to that upset person. So we make decisions based on happiness. And I think our, our daily conversations in Slack are a great indication of, of how we are committed to that.
0: Thank you so much. Now, what's the best way for us to, uh, to follow your company's work and your work? Um, you know, where can people go to learn more?
1: Um, you can go to blog.system76.com. Um, system76.com or any of our social networks. Um, We are very active on Twitter and we're very engaged on Facebook as well. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: You've been listening to Looks Like New on KGNU Radio, a show that asks old questions about new tech. We've been speaking with Emma Marshall, who's happiness manager at System76, a company that builds computers here in Colorado, and ships its computers with a Linux-based, free, open-source operating system. Find out more at System76.com. I'm Nathan Schneider, a professor of media studies at CU Boulder. Looks like new is a production of CU's Media Enterprise Design Lab. You can find out more about our work at medlab. If you liked what you heard, please spread the word about this show and consider leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts. I'd also love to hear from you with comments and guest ideas. You can reach me at medlab at colorado.edu. I hope you'll join us next month.